Well, today is World Communion Sunday, and I think that's a great thing. Even though, even though every Sunday that we take communion, there are folks around the world taking it, I think it's good that we take a, set aside a special day when we remember it. It's almost been six months ago. Rebecca and I were blessed. We were at uh, Chester, England, and we went to the Chester Cathedral there, and we had communion on the uh, 11th of April. We celebrated communion there with the folks there at the Chester Cathedral. It tickles me. We put a historical marker on something that's 100 years old, right? Like that's a big deal. They have been worshiping at the Chester Cathedral in that spot since the 11th century. Wow. And it's been, uh, it's, it's been the, the place for the Bishop of Chester since... I think 1541. So uh, it's absolutely incredible when you think about things like that. And we, we, we talk about stuff being old. Anyway, it's a good thing. This morning, our, our scripture reading for World Communion Sunday comes out of Genesis chapter 14, which is, uh, some of you may think is an interesting place for a World Communion Sunday scripture to come out of, but perhaps you'll see it differently in a minute if you don't see it this way already. And perhaps you won't. Consider the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the 14th chapter of Genesis and I'm beginning at the 13th verse. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner, these were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his nephew had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and routed them and pursued them to Hoboth, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the goods and also brought back his nephew Lot with his goods and the women and the people. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's valley. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of Most High God. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong 
or anything that is yours, so that you might not say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Anar, Eshcol, and Mamre. Let them take their share. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who created all and who is our salvation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, an interesting deal. Now, Sharon read from Hebrews chapter 7 a little bit more about Melchizedek. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, Melchizedek is an interesting person in Scripture. And uh, we only really see references to him three places. Here in, here in Genesis chapter 14, in Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7, and Psalm 110. Psalm 110. So we have testimony of Melchizedek by two or more witnesses, which uh, again, the Bible tells us that everything should be established by two or more witnesses. Again, you know, it's sort of, sort, of sort of a little bit of a side note, but this is World Communion Day, and there are a lot of things going on in the world. This is one of the bad, bad, evil, I'll call it evil trends in our world today. We let the word of one person shatter another person. That's not biblical, it's not Christian, it's not right. If something is true, it can be established by more than one person or one witness. Now what had happened here was, when we, when we started out reading, a bunch of Canaanite kings had made a confederation, and they raided a bunch of other people and took many people captives and took all their stuff, right? And of course, back in those days, it was a lot easier to take people's stuff for a couple of reasons. One is, most people didn't have that much stuff. And the other is, often that stuff was cattle, goats, and things like that. So they just, uh, I guess they called Rowdy Yates up and they herded them off with the rest of the stuff when they were doing it. Somebody escaped. One of the people who had been captured escaped. And he went to Abram. Remember, names are important in the Bible. Abram means exalted father. That's what it means, exalted father. Abram's name doesn't get changed until chapter 17, after he's made the covenant with God in chapter 15. And that's when his name gets changed to Abraham, which means father of many, or the father of many nations. And again, I think it's appropriate that we read about Abram today when we're talking about all the other nations of the world on World Communion Sunday. 
Anyway, somebody escapes, and they go and tell Abram, hey, these bad guys have got your nephew. Abram, besides being the father of faith, besides being the father of us all spiritually, as it tells us in Scripture, was a remarkable person and demonstrates some very, very fundamental qualities that anyone who is a follower of God, a disciple of Jesus, could profit from learning. Notice, I believe Abram knew about what was going on. He didn't know that Lot had been taken captive, I don't believe. But certainly he knew that there was turmoil in the world. But he just didn't decide to take sides and go after it. I think he tried to maintain a peaceful existence as best he could. But when he learned that a family member had been kidnapped, he said, that's it. I'm going and I'm going to rescue him. And look at who he took with him. Look at who he took with him. This is another wonderful, wonderful thing that Abram teaches us. He was living peacefully with his neighbors who weren't Hebrews. It says there, he was, he was living there with uh, Mamre and Anar and Eshkol. They weren't Hebrews. They were, other, they were brothers, and they were other people that were living there. And Abram was living peacefully with them. And he said, presumably, you guys come with me. We've got to take care of these bad guys. And, he, and they went with him and... Again, his 318 household servants. So how many people you figure Abram was responsible for? If he had 318 servants, and presumably they, they were, those were all men because they went with him to fight. And in those days, women wouldn't have gone with him to fight. So they've got families too, right? A lot of those people are married and have children. So... Abram had a pretty good-sized community around him. Anyway, it says he went up there and he split his forces up. He was a pretty smart guy, too. He was a good uh, strategist. He split his, his, he split his forces up and attacked at night. And it says he routed them. He, didn't just, he just didn't defeat them. He skunked them, right, as, as the expression would go. And chased them north of Damascus. It's, uh, again, this is, this is one of those tricky things that, we, that Scripture does to us sometimes. You know, you wonder how long this whole deal took. It's just a couple of sentences there, but Abram lived down there, down there around Shechem, right? The, the Oaks of Mamre. And it says that he went north of Damascus. It says there he went to Dan, right? Dan is the northernmost tribe and the northernmost border of Israel, which also tells us what? Tells us somebody, after we read about the census in Numbers and the dividing up of the land, wrote this particular passage. Because when Abram did this, Dan wasn't even thought of, right? He wasn't even thought of. Abram was Dan's great-great-grandfather. So he comes back and Melchizedek meets him without beginning of days or end of life. That sounds pretty eternal to me. 
but that's what it said. That's what, that's what Sharon read in Hebrews about Melchizedek. And it said he was, the, he was the priest of the Lord God Most High. This is the first place in Scripture, too, where we see the term Lord used like that, referring to God. Here in Genesis chapter 14. And what does Melchizedek do? He gives Abram bread and wine. And a lot of us thought this was something Jesus started, right? And here's what else Melchizedek does. He says in his blessing to Abraham, he says, Blessed be the Lord God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth. So Melchizedek acknowledges God as the creator, but he also acknowledges him as the deliverer, the redeemer, the savior, if you will. Because he says, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Or you could turn that around. It's, it's one of those tautologies, right? Where if somebody's delivered into your hands, then you're delivered from them if they're your enemy. And who's Melchizedek? He's the king of righteousness. And he's the king of peace, it says there. He's the king of Salem, which of course is Jerusalem. But in those days, they just referred to it as Salem, which is peace. And then here's the other thing that's so crucial that Abram does. He has an opportunity to profit from this situation, right? And he doesn't do it. He gives 10% to Melchizedek, acknowledging God's sovereignty and God's provision. Abram shows gratitude and humility. All the people that were captives, he returns. And all the property that belonged to anybody else, he returned. He didn't take anything. He didn't take anything for himself. Because what, what did he say there? He had sworn to the Lord God Almighty. He kept his word. Abram kept his word. There's so many, many, many things in Abram's life that bear following. So this morning, we see there... Or I like to think about it, that uh, communion as we celebrate it was first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. And we can talk about this a lot more for those of you who are coming to the Genesis study when we get to chapter 14. Because again, remember, everything's in Genesis. It just may not look like we're used to seeing it. Now Jesus, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread he broke it, he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he took wine too and blessed it. The common things in our life, the things that we need for sustenance, bread and something to drink, are places where Jesus shows himself to us. He shows himself to us like that over and over and over again. And he said, what? Do this in remembrance of me. You see, as, it, as, as the passage we read in Hebrews there says, Jesus wasn't a priest like the Levitical priesthood. Jesus' line of priesthood came from a priesthood that didn't have beginning of days or end of life. Or as it says in Hebrews chapter 7, 15, Jesus' priesthood was from life that was an indestructible life. And that's what Jesus came to give all of us. 
an indestructible life. John 1, chapter 4 says what? He was life. And that life was the light of who? All people. All people. When the angels came and talked about Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, the angels said what? I bring you good news of great joy to all people. All people. Again. Again. All people. And all people get blessed. Think, think about Abram again too. We had some ungodly people in, this, in his entourage and that were in confederation with him. But they got blessed too, right? They got blessed too. See, the rest of the world gets blessed when someone acts out of righteousness and truth. Other people get blessed, not just the, not just the direct recipients. And that's what Jesus did too. That's what Jesus did too. So this morning, as you come to the table, I want you to remember that people all over the world are coming to the table because God's grace and love are for everybody. But I also want you to remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, starting about verse 15, Jesus gives a parable. Jesus gives a parable about a great banquet. And all sorts of people are invited to the banquet. But it says there in verse 18 that the folks who were invited started to make excuses. One of them said what? I bought some property. I need to go check it out. I need to go have it surveyed and see where I'm going to clear it off and build my new house, right? Some of the people said, hey, I just bought, I got, I got some new oxen. I need to go check out my oxen. Maybe I need to take them to the vet. Make sure they've got all their shots and all that. And one of them said, uh, I've just gotten married. Or in another place, Jesus said, what? He said, a sower went out to sow. Some of the seed sprouted up, but it was choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Abram didn't get sidetracked that way. He remained grateful and humble, and he believed God. He believed God. So as you come, as you come this morning, remember those coming around the world. And don't make excuses as to why you can't accept God's grace and why you can't enter into the life that's an indestructible life. Because there's plenty of grace here for everyone to receive life that's indestructible life. Amen.